Hello everyone, Dr. Stillman here. And today we are going to talk about the cutting edge of stem cell therapy, which is a very important topic for people to know about in our modern world, because we are a using stem cell therapy to treat more and more and more conditions. Our methods are getting better. We have more and different methods of doing it. And what I think is most important that people are missing who are running after stem cell therapies is that there's a lot, a lot to know about how they fundamentally work so that if you do or when you do pursue stem cell therapies, you're pursuing them the right way and you're getting the most out of it. This topic came up and I decided to offer a masterclass on it in part because I recently had a number of patients who were referred for joint replacements who no one's really happy about getting a joint replacement. But I think that people wind up with fundamental misconceptions about how their musculoskeletal system works and why or what they should do to treat it and deal with it. So for starters, let's talk about the simple fact that stem cells are, for the most part, being used to treat chronic pain. I want to start out by saying that that's not all stem cells are used to treat. I also think this is the point where I'm supposed to say I'm not here to diagnose or treat disease. I'm not practicing medicine via YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else this is streaming. You should talk to your doctor before making changes to your diet or lifestyle or pursuing any course of therapy. This is for educational and informational purposes only. I know you guys all understand that, but I just state it for the record. So pain is the number one reason that people pursue stem cell therapy, but that's not the only reason, nor is it the only benefit of using uh, stem cell injections. The number one misconception that I think people have about pain, stem cells, arthritis, and orthopedic issues is that once they have occurred, you are doomed to struggle with them until you do something extreme like PRP or stem cells or, or joint replacements or whatever. The simple reality of how your joints work is that they're not that dissimilar from the wheels on your car and the alignment and the chassis on your car. If you went into the shop and the mechanic said, Hey, you know, there's a really unusual tread or wear pattern on your tires. Uh, you wouldn't say, Oh, that's weird. I need new tires. And yet a lot of people will show up in the orthopedic surgeon's office with an unusual wear pattern on one side of the body or in a certain joint, or they'll just have pain, even if they don't have any wear on an MRI or a X-ray. And the answer is, oh, we need to do a procedure right away. Well, the reality is that a lot of you do not have optimized biomechanics. You are out there wrecking your joints, your joint capsules, your tendons. You're working harder and you're often getting worse results because you don't know how to be efficient in your workouts and your exercise, or maybe you're picking the wrong exercise for you. This is why Jim Laird and I offer so many group coaching opportunities for people, including uh, specifically the fundamentals of wellness, which we're currently enrolling people in. This program is where you can get, you know, you'll get group coaching sessions with Jim and I, and you can ask us one-on-one -on -one questions about, hey, you know, this is what I've got going on with my shoulder, my knee, my ankle, my hip, and we'll talk you through what we see people struggling with, what we see working. This is what I do in one-on-one -on -one consults with people. You don't have to, you know, go all in on a one-on-one -on -one consult with me, which has gotten very expensive. You can get a group co coaching session and we can talk to you and help coach you through things. We also, you know, Jim does exercise like no one else I've ever seen. He's very particular about 
how you're going to be positioned and how you're going to do different exercises and what exercises are right for you. And that's why Jim, in my experience, gets better results for people than anyone I've ever worked with, anyone I've ever seen. Before I send someone to the orthopedic surgeon, before I think they ought to get an operation, before I tell them to do this, that, or the other thing, very frequently, the first thing I say to them is, look, before you get wrapped around the axle or you get, get it into your head that you need to go get injections or surgeries, you need to at least talk to Jim and have him take a serious look at what you're doing with your body and how you're doing it, because it's very possible that we could change something about your ergonomics, your workstation, your workouts, your daily routine. That's going to give you a massive benefit, not only potentially, um, you know, to the results you're looking for as far as your fitness, uh, but also give you results as far as long-term goals, right? Feeling and looking your best for as long as possible. So on that note, I always take people with orthopedic issues and have them work with Jim at least for a little while so that I know what component of their issue is biomechanical in nature. And without further ado, let's jump into stem cells. So first let's talk about why people go for stem cells. The vast majority of people go for stem cells for pain. What kind of results do people see with stem cell procedures? One, I found this site by, you know, randomly, this is actually in a, in a building that I go to for a different reason. I go to neurofeedback in the same building as this group. And I got to tell you, I like this group because they are upfront with people. Listen to this. We are upfront with our patients about the realistic chances of improvement with stem cell therapy. About 70% of our patients with knee osteoarthritis experience over 50% relief of pain. The other 30% may experience pain relief, but on a smaller scale. Now, why do I bring that up? Many of you come into orthopedic consultations for procedures. I don't care if it's prolozone, um, prolotherapy, PRP, stem cells, a surgery. You come in with the expectation that it is the solution. But look at the numbers. 70% experience 50% relief of pain. 30% may experience pain relief, but on a smaller scale. Surgery, stem cells, procedures are not a panacea. And that's very important for people to understand. It doesn't matter if you're talking about stem cell injections or PRP or anything. That's just a simple fact of life. Many people get wedded to the idea that the surgery, the procedure they're going into is the thing. They've got to do it and it's going to work. That actually helps you get a better outcome because you're really tapping into the placebo effect. But I think many, many, many people, in fact, the vast majority of people leave an enormous amount of low-hanging fruit on the tree of their health and their wellness journey because they don't understand how different factors are affecting their ability to regenerate and heal their bodies from any kind of problem. And this is from the Regenerative Orthopedic Institute right here uh, in Tampa or across the Bay of Tampa. This is from Da Vinci Wellness Centers about the cost of stem cell therapy. So the cost of stem cell therapies is high. It's getting lower. We're, we're fortunate because, and that's because there's so much interest in this. It's driving the market to innovate and change delivery and give people more options. But on average, stem cell therapy costs can range anywhere from 5,000 to 50,000. Why do I bring this up? Because again, many, many people out there, I see going out, they fly it to someplace, they get their stem cell therapy, whether or not it works, they're, they've just gone in for a four or five figure sum. And when I see them in consultation, they're often leaving things undone or neglected that could give them better results than a lot of the procedures they're chasing and shelling out huge money for 
without the time and energy. And this is one of the problems with people's thinking about health and wellness today. There's a real resistance to the idea of, oh, maybe if I just go outside and take three 10 minute walks a day, I'll get better results than if I go to the gym and do a 45 minute hit session. We see that all the time in the coaching program. We see that all the time in the medical program. I had somebody recently tell me that they, they used a therapy that I recommended to them that we will talk about later for their uh, recovery post stem cell treatment. And he saw just as good results with that as he did with the, with the operation or the, or the uh, procedure, right? Which really should make you think, are we running after the wrong thing before we get the basics and the fundamentals dialed in? That's why Jim and I have a program called the fundamentals of wellness. We were tired of watching people spend huge amounts of money on different things without having the fundamentals in place so that if they do go do stem cell therapy, they get the best results from it. Because again, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Many people I've seen, I recommend that they go and pursue these treatments, but I want them to do it in a way where they're going to get the most out of it, which means optimizing their physiology, their diet, and their daily routine before the procedure. Okay. One of the things I'll tell people who are going in or who have got problems and are thinking about stem cells is, Go listen to Ben Greenfield's podcast. This is not any particular podcast here, um, but if you want to hear the latest and greatest on stem cells, Ben is going to have it. So, you know, go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash podcast, look up his stem cell podcasts. If you're going to drop five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand, fly across the country, fly internationally for a procedure, you would be totally nuts not to download multiple episodes of podcasts and listen to them because believe me, I know Ben personally, Ben coaches some of the most intense athletes I've ever seen, and he knows who to go to and he knows, and he's interviewed them already. You don't have to go out there and reinvent the wheel as far as re researching what stem cells are, how they work, what questions to ask, who to work with, what country to get them in. Ben's already laid that out in his podcast. And so that's the resource that I recommend people go to for more information on that. Okay. Now let's talk about some papers, because this is where I think people really get lost in the shuffle of uh, knowledge, right? In the literature about stem cells, because there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much information. The point of my social media is not to increase the amount of information. It's to give you the benefit of my 20 years in the health and wellness space of understanding how to synthesize it all. So you get the best results from what you do. So the first thing I want you all to understand is that the vast majority of people who are going in for any kind of stem cell treatment, what they're fundamentally trying to resolve is chronic inflammation. One of the hallmarks of inflammation is pain. That's taught in every first year medical school curriculum in the world. It's been the same basic four cardinal signs of pain since, you know, the time of Hippocrates in Greece, you know, before the birth of Christ. So inflammation is supposed to be acute in nature. You know, you stub your toe, you, you know, bang your head on a piece of furniture, whatever you get an inflammatory response. There's pain, there's swelling, there's redness. And then it, what happens is the body recruits the immune system and it recruits all these different things to heal the damaged tissue. The tissue is healed. Debris is removed away. Cells regenerate, rejuvenate, and then acute inflammation is resolved. What happens in chronic pain in the vast majority of cases is these inflammatory pathways do not get switched off. And the way I explain this to people is like, if you had a house fire 
and that house fire needed the fire department. But all you had was a tiny rink dink, um, what do you call it? Um, fire extinguisher, right? You would use the fire extinguisher, but then you might have a smoldering fire that continued to go for hours or days or weeks or months or whatever it is. So what do you need? You need a bigger fire extinguisher. Now there's a lot more to that. I don't like that very reductionistic, very simplistic model of this, but many people are looking at pain and they're thinking, you know, oh, well, I need a bigger hammer. Well, you don't need a bigger hammer to get rid of the inflammation. What you need is a more balanced, better nourished system to overcome the problem and finally resolve the chronic inflammation. That's why they titled this paper what they titled it. And I'm not going to go through the details of this because this is a very academic paper. It's heavy on pathways and jargon, but I just want to, you know, really spell this out for people. You need to have an inflammatory response. That's why they say in this paper, there are key endogenous checkpoints necessary for mounting an effective yet limited inflammatory response. And there are crucial biochemical pathways necessary to prevent its persistence. So what happens to a lot of people who have chronic pain and are going in for stem cell treatments is these checkpoints and biochemical pathways are not getting switched off. If you go further back in the literature and you look as to why there's a really long list of things that cause chronic inflammation to occur that I can't cover here. But the idea and the concept is what's most important to wrap your mind around. If you're going to then try and go out and use stem cells in order to overcome some kind of chronic inflammatory process, i.e a process where there's chronic pain uh, or chronic inflammation. So here's a great review on stem cell uh, therapy for osteoarthritis. And what I want you guys to know about our, is that most people who, who are going in for stem cell therapy have been told they have some form of arthritis, whether this is osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis or some kind of other degenerative uh, joint disease and inflammatory process. Arthritis, and this is the, the paper, and they, they say this, and I want to explain why this, this statement is so important. So in this paper, they say arthritis is an umbrella term used to refer to diseases that cause pain and inflammation of the joints, and it ca is characterized by painful inflammation and stiffness of the joints. Why is this important? Doctors create these big diagnostic categories like osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, but no two patients are the same. And so what this means is that we're losing a lot of understanding because we don't necessarily have the means to differentiate these conditions in individuals of what's driving the process. And one of the reasons why stem cells work so well in treating conditions of pain and arthritis is that the stem cells don't care what the cause of the arthritis is. They're just going to the site of inflammation and trying to regenerate the area and heal the area and finally get those pathways that we talked about in the last paper that are switched on and that keep persisting switched off. And that's why stem cells are helpful. Now, as you age, your stem cell production and activity drops radically, which is why older people heal worse and worse, slower and slower. They need more and more time. They need more and more care. They need more and more nutrition in order to get the same results that a malnourished, overstressed 20 something year old is going to get. Okay. But understand this, the key here that I want you all to, to take away is that our, that's what arthritis is. It's a painful inflammatory process of the joints and what it's fundamentally about and why stem cells work. And this is one reason why they've gotten so, uh, so popular. And I'll read again from the paper, the inconsistency of palliative treatments. That means treatments focused on relieving symptoms for osteoarthritis highlight the need for a more reliable and curative approach 
that targets the root cause of osteoarthritis, the degeneration of articular cartilage. Hence, the notion of stem cell therapy has galvanized intensive investigation into its potential use for treatment of osteoarthritis due to its regenerative properties. Translation, modern treatments for osteoarthritis do not work well. They are extremely inconsistent. So people are naturally looking for an option that's going to treat the root cause of the problem, which is the degeneration of the articular cartilage. Again, there's many things contributing to that, but fundamentally, stem cells go to areas that are inflamed chronically and try to fix them. And that means that bringing them in from externally or activating them internally can be of enormous therapeutic benefit. Okay. One of the things that I want people to know about uh, stem cells is that we are on, we are really at an exciting time in regenerative and natural medicine. We are at a time when there's so much information out there. There's so many scientists working on different, different issues, different uh, uh, projects. And the information has never been faster in terms of how it's being shared uh, across the world, right? I mean, the internet has radically, radically increased our ability to um, produce new therapies, come up with new techniques, and also do more and more scientific studies. This is important because one of the limitations of stem cells is that it requires you to go to a facility, have a procedure. That means you've got to have a doctor. You should probably have a pre, I mean, I hope you have a pre-operative or pre-procedural counseling. You should have uh, then the procedure done, and then you should have some follow-up care. That translates into lots of expense. The other thing is it requires the violation of the human body. Someone is going to cut or inject and somehow, you know, cause you some pain in order to get this procedure done. One of the most exciting things we have before us in the world of anti-aging, regenerative, and natural medicine are peptides. What are peptides? Peptides are small proteins that the body produces to do a variety of things. One peptide in particular has reached my attention called tripeptide GHKCU or GHK. It's a tri it's a, a tripeptide that connects to or locks onto a copper uh, atom in order to do its job. Why is this such a big deal? It was discovered many years ago that this was a very powerful um, product as far as activating uh, uh, cellular regeneration, tissue, wound healing, et cetera. Some of this is through its effects on stem cells, which is what we're going to talk about here. Okay. This is a great uh, review on this by Lauren Picard, who's basically written the book on GHKCU. What does GHKCU do and how does it help people to heal? So number one, it, it promotes chemo attraction of repair cells such as macrophages, mast cells, and capillary cells. Translation, it makes the things that repair tissue damage go to the place where they are needed. It's a little bit like it, it accelerates delivery of healing um, molecules and, and supplies. Number two, it has anti-inflammatory actions and a laundry list of effects on really important pathways that are involved in inflammation and tissue healing and regeneration. Number three, it increases protein synthesis of collagen, elastin, metalloproteinases, antiproteases, vascular endothelial growth factor, fibroblast growth factor number two, nerve growth factor, neutrotropins three and four, erythropoietin, and number four, it increases the proliferation of fibroblasts and keratinocytes, nerve outgrowth, angiogenesis, and hair follicle size. Translation. GHKCU has a myriad of, of impacts, positive impacts on your body's ability to regenerate. This is not a matter, as far as I know, of debate. 
It's been replicated by many, many people, many different places in the literature, many different models from human to animal. This paper goes over a lot of those papers in more detail. We're going to highlight a couple of things here that I want you guys to know about in order to think about how it works on stem cells. So GHKCU stimulates wound healing in numerous models and in humans, as I said. Controlled studies on aged skin demonstrated that it tightens skin, improves elasticity and firmness, reduces fine lines, wrinkles, photo damage, and hyperpigmentation. Translation, what you're seeing in the skin, you may presume is mimicked in the body itself. It also improves hair plant tr transplant success, at least it's been shown to in, in certain uh, studies, protects hepatic tissue from, from poisoning with tetrachloromethane, blocks stomach ulcer development and heals intestinal ulcers and bone tissue. So a laundry list of different benefits to this, this peptide. Now, I want to be really clear. This is one peptide of many. We have a lot of different peptides out there now that we're using. There's a serious limitation, though, to peptides that you're going to run, run into. Most of them break down in the GI tract and are rendered totally useless, which means that the best way to administer peptides is by injection. Approximately 80% of people are not willing to inject themselves with a peptide. In order to get a significant therapeutic benefit from peptides, one has to inject them regularly, potentially for long periods of time. Only 20% of the populace has got the stomach to do that. They also become rather expensive if you're going to use them for prolonged periods of time, which has radically limited the number of people who've taken them up. Now, that being said, peptides are all the rage right now. You're going to hear about them in tons of podcasts. You're going to hear about them from tons of experts, gurus, et cetera. But the bottom line here that I want you to understand is that we have another potential option to regulate peptides, and that is light. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I want you guys to open your minds to thinking about all the things that you do in your life that we haven't, we don't, we don't fully understand how they work. One of the ways I'm convinced that they work is they regulate things like peptides within the human body. So I'm not going to get into that yet. We got some more papers on that coming up. What do I want you guys to know about GHKCU with regards to wound healing? So look at this section in this paper on stem cell proliferation and differentiation. And this is from the paper. During wound healing studies, we noted that the GHKCU induced greatly enlarged hair follicles at the periphery of the wound. This is in a, a mouse model, I believe. Burn surgeons have long, long observed that the influx of hair follicle, follicles into a burned area predicts a good healing response. It is now established that dermal hair follicles provide a major source of stem cells used for dermal healing. Stem cell proliferation requires extremely low levels of copper created by the use of copper chelating agents. However, when stem cells are exposed to higher copper levels, they progress into differentiated stem cells or differentiated cells. This is a clue that copper is really important in modulating these stem cells. I believe this is part of why there's such a heterogeneity or difference in outcomes for different people who go undergo stem cell procedures, right? Look back at that website I just I, I started with. They said 70% of people see a 50% reduction in, in their pain. That means that a certain proportion of people see a much larger decrease in their pain. Jim and I work with people pre and post-op all the time. I don't do any procedures, which means I'm never the person, never the operator. But I will tell you every single time when somebody has a less complicated post-operative course and they heal better and they heal faster, it is always because they have their diet and lifestyle dialed in, which is why Jim and I spend so much time coaching people on that in our group coaching programs. 
So bottom line here is that GHKCU is going to have effects on wound healing. It must be doing this through the proliferation of stem cells. Okay, and there's a lot more here in this paper talking about how uh, GHKCU does this with some impressive um, uh, experimental results. This also pertains, by the way, to systemic healing. Why is this important? So a lot of people come to me with systemic diseases. They don't just have low back pain. They have low back pain and shoulder pain. They don't just have low back pain from run-of-the-mill osteoarthritis. They have a chronic autoimmune or inflammatory condition. I've seen people get great results working with me for chronic inflammatory conditions. Rarely, and in fact, basically never, is this due to drugs that I prescribe for them. It is because I help them understand the things they're doing that are making them sick and that are degrading their fitness. One of those things, or many of those things I'll say, have to do with how the body regulates metabolism. And many of these things have an effect on stem cells, okay? So just look at this statement. This is a very important statement. Enhancement of systemic tissue repair would be especially helpful after internal surgeries and after procedures such as implanted artificial joints in elderly patients. GHKCU and certain analogs induce a systemic healing response in rats, mice, and pigs. The best results are obtained as such and such. Again, this is injectable, not systemic. And you see a markedly increased healing in, or treatments, markedly increased healing parameters, such as collagen production, angiogenesis, and wound closure in both wound chambers and full thickness wounds. Translation, higher levels of GHKCU go along with better wound healing. Okay. There's something else in this paper that I want to bring up early open clinical trials in France on human diabetic wounds and venous stasis ulcers gave evidence that GHKCU accelerated healing of skin ulcers. Unfortunately, this type of apparently successful healing cream containing very low levels of preservatives was never tested in larger FDA clinical trials. Why is this important? The translation behind this statement and what a lot of people out there in the drug device and product development space will tell you is the biggest enemy of progress in the United States and globally are regulatory agencies that make it very difficult to bring anything to market that's not patentable. GHKCU is a naturally occurring peptide in the body. That's part of why if you go look, you're not going to find anyone writing about real significant adverse effects from GHKCU administration, whether it's injected or put on topically. Why is this? Because it's made by the human body, and so the human body can easily metabolize it. What's happened in this country, unfortunately, is that the FDA has been very much captured by vested interests who want the public to be totally dependent upon drugs and surgeries. This is a big part of why if you move into the anti-aging regenerative medicine space, you're going to hear lots of people talking about stem cells and PRP and different types of therapies that help people to get the most out of their native hardware. But when you look at what the big name, name brand mainstream healthcare systems are doing, what are they doing? They're doubling down on very expensive procedures and completely and totally ignoring the potential of these therapies because they're built around insurance reimbursement that is also linked to how the government and the FDA view therapeutics. And if you step into the world of natural and integrated medicine, you're going to find a lot of people who are not building insurance anymore because what they do works, their patients value it, they see the results, they send their friends in, they send their family in, they stick with these doctors for years and decades, and we end up treating their whole patient, their whole family, all their friends. Why? Because we're focused on what works. 
not on what the FDA has approved. But again, the reason these bigger trials don't get done with things that can't be patented is because no one's ever going to make a huge amount of money on them because the patents will not protect them. Anyone can go out and synthesize GHKCU in a lab. Any company can go to a third world country and start to synthesize it en masse, and they can probably find a way to import it into, into the United States, which means that the cost of things like peptides is radically lower than the procedures that they are competing with and could potentially in the future replace, or potentially right now are replacing an actual clinical practice, right? Remember the whole world of, frankly, regenerative orthopedics, um, if you want to call it that, is uh, is basically oriented around how do we do this without you know providing people with surgery and there's tons of these clinics all over the place and it's not because you know people are crazy it's because these therapies actually work so anyway um, I want to go back I'm going to do another video on the effects of GHKCU on skin uh, but you know so many people come to me and they, I start talking about GHKCU and other things because of orthopedic issues joint pain arthritis. But one of the benefits of activating this peptide and, and increasing its levels is going to be its effects on your skin, which is the largest connective tissue organ, single organ in the body, right? And one that you very much care about its appearance, especially as you age, right? Because as your joints and bones and muscles and tendons and ligaments are getting worse and worse and more and more painful, your skin is also aging. So everyone who's curious about uh, stem cell therapy, the vast majority of them are also interested in looking uh, good as well as feeling good for as long as possible. Okay. That's enough, uh, for this paper. Oh, I guess I'll go ahead and just mention this. The other thing about stem cells, right? Is that we're looking more and more for stem cells to help us with chronic inflammatory diseases. Um, one of the great things about GHKCU as a product or as a peptide is that it has potent anti-inflammatory actions. And this suggests that it may be really helpful for treating a laundry list of illnesses particularly those associated with chronic inflammation, right? This paper talks about how it affects TNF-alpha levels. Uh, and these TNF-alpha levels are elevated in everything from psoriasis to psoriatic arthritis to ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, Crohn's disease. A huge, huge proportion of our modern auto-inflammatory or autoimmune, which are really auto-inflammatory diseases, are linked back to these alterations in cytokines like TNF-alpha, okay? And that means that peptides like GHKCU have this potential therapeutic benefit for people who are struggling with those diseases. That has not been well proven in the literature for the record, but I already have lots of people coming back to me who've tried various methods that will boost GHKCU levels, telling me that they're seeing improvements in illnesses such as these or other illnesses that are driven by this inflammatory response that is chronic rather than acute. Okay. Uh, another great um, uh, review paper by Dr. Picard here, uh, and this one I want to talk about the importance of, of copper because this is where people really can get confused. And we've got one more um, passage on this before I jump into what is going on with GHKCU and how uh, we can boost it. So oxidative. So this is from the paper: oxidative stress, disrupted copper homeostasis, and neuroinflammation due to overproduction of pro-inflammatory cytokines are considered leading causative factors in the development of age-associated neurodegenerative conditions. Translation, free radical stress or oxidation, problems with handling copper, and inflammation within the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system due to the overproduction of pro-inflammatory cytokines, including those produced by chronic inflammation, are considered leading factors in the development of worse and worse 
neurodegeneration associated with age. I'm talking about Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, any form of dementia, various uh, neurodegenerative disorders of the periphery, you, you name it. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that could be categorized as age-associated neurodegenerative conditions, and all of them are exploding in prevalence and severity. Why is this so important? Because when you look at the literature on this, it's very clear that there's an association here with copper and how copper is handled and what copper is doing. When copper is present in excess, particularly in tissues, and it's not bound to peptides and it's not bound to proteins, it will create oxidative stress. I see this over and over and over again in patients in my practice. There's a very strong association, anecdotal may it be, still there between high copper levels, symptoms that go along with chronic inflammation and actual objective findings of elevated inflammation, particularly in things like high sensitivity CRP testing, which I did a video on some time ago. If you want to learn more about it, it's one of my favorite tests. Okay. When you look in the literature on things like Alzheimer's disease, researchers are more and more finding that there is a elevation in potential copper levels in the brain in Alzheimer's disease, but the copper's not bound to anything. So copper is a little bit like a loose cannon. You really want it to be pointed in the right direction or it may blow up things that you really wish it would leave alone. That's also part of why you're going to hear people out there saying, well, you need more copper because look, the unbound copper levels in the brain have to do with Alzheimer's disease. So you need more copper in the brain. But these people will also then have people try that and they eat beef liver and they take copper supplements or they eat a high copper diet. And many of those people will have worse symptoms. Why? They can't handle the copper. That's my hypothesis anyway. They don't have the peptides to bind it, to put it to use. And that's what I want you all to understand about a peptide like GHKCU. It's not just about dumping more copper into the system. It's about upregulating the peptide that uses the copper and puts it to work and harnesses its power so that it doesn't create the oxidative stress that's creating the problem in the first place. Otherwise, copper goes from basically being a fire extinguisher to being gasoline. And that's why details really matter. So the human tripeptide GHK was discovered in 1973. We've known about it for a long, long, long time. It has the effect originally described uh, of causing old human liver tissue to synthesize proteins as if it was younger tissue. That's pretty exciting, right? It has a high affinity for copper ions. It forms this copper complex binding up the copper. And then the GHK possesses a plethora of other regenerative and protective actions, including antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and wound healing properties. Uh, recent studies revealed its ability to up and down regulate a large number of human genes, including those that are critical for neuronal development and maintenance. We propose GHK tripeptide as a possible therapeutic agent against age-associated neurodegeneration and cognitive decline. Full stop. All this goes back to what I think they ad aptly describe in this paper as the copper paradox. And I feel like I've already gone into this in enough detail and I won't belabor this point, but you've got to understand the key here is that, and this is, I cover this in coaching programs and with patients all day. It's not about how much you're getting. It's about whether or not you can use it. And then it's not about whether or not you're eating the right diet for yourself. It's about whether or not your body can use those nutrients that are present in, in at least you know, an adequate quantity, let alone an abundance to do what it needs to do in order to heal and to be well. Many people miss this nuance out there in the world of health and wellness. So the mechanisms and efficacy of photobiomodulation therapy for arthritis, a comprehensive review. This is really the crux of what I want to talk about today, which is that people 
don't want to use peptides because you don't want to inject yourselves. And I understand that 80% of you statistically fall into that, that basket of people. The reality is we may not need to inject anything in order to modulate or activate stem cells. We can use light in order to do this, which is why I keep going back over and over and over again to this idea that it's not just about what you put in your mouth. It's not just about your diet or your supplements. It's about what environment your body is in. What light are you exposed to? How much of it are you getting? Is it getting your skin? Is it getting your eyes? What's going on, right? Because this is really, really critically important because I can't tell you how many people I've seen go in for stem cells who are living an indoor lifestyle. They have no idea what, how light affects health. They're surrounded by toxic pollutants and EMF and all kinds of other stressors, and they get a bad result and they think, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I respond? Maybe they don't respond because they're not giving the stem cells that they've just spent a lot of money on the right environment for them to do their best work. So give them the right environment and get a different outcome, we hope. Okay, what is photobiomodulation? So photobiomodulation is the use of uh, specific frequencies of light uh, in order to modulate biology, basically. So these are generally speaking frequencies in the infrared and red range. There are very specific frequencies that are studied in very specific contexts. I can't get into all the details of that because it's frankly very academic, but the basic premise of photobiomodulation and what we've seen with photobiomodulation, and this is what the paper says, photobiomodulation effectively reduces inflammation by utilizing near infrared light emitted by lasers or LEDs. In contrast to photothermal effects, those are effects that heat the tissue up, hence the word thermal, photobiomodulation causes a photobiological response in cells which regulates their functional response to light and reduces inflammation. Photobiomodulation's anti-inflammatory properties and beneficial effects in arthritis treatment have been reported in numerous studies, including animal experiments and clinical trials. This is why I think if someone is running out after peptides, stem cell therapy, whatever, and they don't know anything about light, they're missing some super low-hanging fruit. Because for free, you can go outside and get photobiomodulation and some of the frequencies that modulate your biology from the sun, which is why, as I say over and over again, the sun reduces your risk of death. The sun is reducing your risk of death by improving how well your body functions on a systemic level in many different ways, not only limited to those that are affected by red and infrared light. And this is why one of the first things I try to get people to do is to get more natural light in their life. And one of the next things I'll try to do is to get them to actually get some red and infrared light, whether it's from the sun or from a red infrared light therapy light, like the, um, EMR tech firestorm behind me, uh, no, it's the firestorm. Yeah, it's the firestorm. Um, regardless, I want them to get those therapies or those frequencies of light into their life because I see the power when they get them back in. Lots of different problems just tend to go away when you're living under the right light. Okay. What does this have to do with stem cells? I'm glad you asked. So this is a paper called The Effect of Photobiomodulation on Mesenchymal Stem Cells. And here's from the paper, the effects of coherent and non-coherent light sources, such as low level lasers and light emitting diodes on cells and tissues known as photobiomodulation form the basis of photomedicine. This treatment technique affects cell function, proliferation, and migration, and plays an important role in tissue regeneration. Stem cells have been found to be helpful elements in tissue regeneration, and the combination of stem cell therapy and laser therapy appears to positively affect treatment results. Conclusions, photobiomodulation has positive effects on mesenchymal stem cells. This review concluded that doses of this and wavelengths of that, I'm not going to get into the specifics, are appropriate for light therapy. 
The results were dependent upon different parameters. Therefore, optimization of parameters used in light therapy to obtain favorable results is required to provide more accurate comparison. A couple of things in there. So number one, we know this is real. This is not some theoretical effect. Doctors just don't talk about it because patients are not, are, do not, are not aware of how powerful this is. So one of the biggest mistakes, I'll say it again, that I see people making is they go in for a very expensive procedure that they've spent a lot of time in order to just be able to go to, let alone recover from, and a lot of money in order to be able to actually have. And they don't even realize that something as simple as three 10-minute walks a day can have a really profound effect on how they feel and how they function and you know how how they look and that's why i think it's such a mistake to not do at least a little bit of research on stem cells before you drop five you know five figures uh, or more on stem cell therapy and why i think that honestly if you're working with a good doctor they should help you integrate some of these therapies into your treatment plan many of these better clinics are not only going to give you stem cell therapy but they're going to say hey we have a red light therapy bed that has the right frequencies to activate your stem cells and get the most out of them come in for three or four treatments as part of your, uh, your treatment or procedural package. Um, that I think is a logical way to do it. And it's how I counsel my patients to go about it when they go for these procedures. Okay. The good news is you do not need to go to a, uh, fancy wellness spa. You don't need to go buy, uh, peptides to inject. You don't need to do any of this stuff. Uh, one of the best things I've used in my practice in the last year are these things called LifeWave patches. So LifeWave patches, specifically the X39, have this effect on GHKCU production. Now, this effect spills over through GHKCU production into these other different things that involve stem cells. There's recently some changes going on at the FDA, which is another reason why I mentioned them earlier, where they're changing how they regulate these products. So I have to be very careful about what I say. You guys all know that on the vast majority of media platforms, the narrative is controlled by people who have vested interests in the current dominant paradigm. That's why I recommend that you jump onto my newsletter at stillmanwellness.com. You also get free access to our webinars on Thursday mornings. Jim and I go into very critical and important topics in health and wellness. Those are uncensored. They're not streamed anywhere. They're only for our people on our list. And if you miss those live, the only other way to access them is by buying one of our courses or coaching programs in the future. So uh, back to these uh, patches, they're changing how they regulate or they're changing the regulations around what we can say about these things, right? What are these patches? Why do they rock? Why do I recommend them to the people who are coming to me with pain who are interested in stem cells? The X39 patch by LifeWave has been shown to increase GHKCU production within your body. This is why when I tell people to use it, they will often come back to me and say, I have more energy, I have less fatigue, I have better concentration, I'm sleeping better, my energy levels are better. They'll also tell me the things they've been struggling to resolve for years are going away. Can I prove that that's from the you know GHKC or the X39? You know, We don't have as many studies as I would like on this, but I like and I see the results enough that I recommend them to people pretty much every single day. And I'm constantly handing out um, these sleeves of patches to people who are signing up for my executive and concierge wellness services because I want them to get the best results possible. Okay. So how does this stuff work? You put these patches on the body and the patches reflect light back into the body that then causes this increase in GHKCU. 
And this is seen very quickly in a matter of days, but the effect takes a while to really kick in, which is why overwhelmingly the trend in my practice is that the people who get the best results with these patches are older. They have more than one or two problems. Maybe it's their blood pressure. Maybe it's their energy levels. Maybe it's their sleep, their orthopedic issues, whatever. And they are consistent with them for a long period of time. 90 days is what I usually like to see as far as a real serious uh, trial. Why am I mentioning these to you now? I think you'd be kind of nuts. I mean, honestly, truly, I really think you'd be kind of nuts to go out and drop thousands and thousands of dollars on stem cells before you go ahead and put a few hundred dollars into these patches to see if they're going to get you the results you're looking for. I think you'd be nuts to go out and buy, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 grand in uh, expensive orthopedic procedures when you've never really worked with a solid, competent health and fitness professional like Jim, who is an expert, I would say, in optimizing people's biomechanics. Uh, I've seen him do things with people who came, who came back to me and said, I thought I had the best trainer on earth. I thought I had the best, you know, uh, exercise routine ever. I thought I was being treated by really brilliant doctors and PTs and OTs and whatever. And Jim showed me stuff that none of them showed me that really helped me feel better and get better results. That's why we have group coaching sessions. So you can access Jim and I and understand what we think is going to really make the biggest difference to how you look and how you feel. So anyway, I use these LifeWave patches in my practice because you'll see people who will then avoid the stem cell therapy uh, and the expense of the stem cell therapy um, because the patches get the job done. And that's kind of the bottom line. And what we see is that this GHKCU has a very intricate link to all the same pathways that are affected by stem cells. And so that's why you're going to see a lot of people talking about these patches. You're not going to see them anymore, frankly, because the FDA is cracking down on this. And that's another reason why I think it's really problematic. Um, uh, they're really slowing down the rate of progress in this, in this work uh, by basically restricting people's speech, which is why, again, I think you should be on our newsletter. So uh, you can sign up for LifeWave Patches. Uh, and I am, by the way, an affiliate of the company, which means that I earn money if you, if you order these patches through me. But I see them working, which is why I represent them. And again, I use them in people who are looking for joint replacements or who are going for stem cell therapy or PRP because I see the results that the patches can get them that sometimes the procedures can't and the patches are a lot more affordable. So on that note, thank you all for watching. Take care. Have a great day. And if you would like access to the uh, members only Substack Q&A after uh, this live stream, join the premium version of my Substack at stillmanmd.substack.com and you will get the Zoom link along with everyone else who's a premium subscriber. Thanks for watching again, everyone. Take care. Have a great day.